Welcome to Warriors Off Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Warriors beat writer, Connor Letourneau. And as always, I'm joined today by my boss, assistant sports editor and former Warriors beat writer, Jamie Hu. Today, our guest is Kevin Durant, who discusses why he has such strong ties to his alma mater, the University of Texas. Janie, we're here Wednesday afternoon, back at the San Francisco Chronicle newsroom. Never a dull day on day on this beat. You know, you you think it's going to be a light day. You think you're just going to write a couple quick little posts and and get on to that that Clippers game and head out on the road for a long road trip. But no, of course, it's the Warriors, so something has to happen. And uh, today, the interesting thing that happened was obviously toward the end of shoot around. Steph sprained his right right ankle, re-sprained his right ankle, obviously. He missed 11 games just last month with the same injury. Um, I, full disclosure, did not see this happen. I was was talking to someone else when it happened, but I saw the immediate aftermath of it. Um, He, it was during his post-shoot-around shooting routine where he was going, going around the arc with, with Bruce Fraser, their assistant coach, and uh, what I was told is that he, no one was near him. He just slipped on something, you know, tweaked his ankle. Uh, what I saw was right afterward, he was talking to Bruce. He just basically told Bruce, you know, I, I felt a little, some discomfort, um, went toward the the locker room and, and got looked at by the team trainer. Um, and everyone that I've talked to within the organization has told me, do not, it's nothing serious. Fans should not worry. They're not, it's so not serious. They're not even having an MRI, um, which is something they had almost immediately after uh, his injury in New Orleans. So, you know, he's, he's obviously being held out tonight um, for obvious reasons. They're going to be cautious with this guy, but um, I don't expect him to miss much time. Um, Like I said, it's, it's really nothing to worry about. Right. It's just that I think Steph, you know, he came back from the 11 game layoff and he was going gangbusters and he's yeah. playing so well and then you hear about him tweaking the ankle again the same ankle and that caution flag just has to go up naturally yeah i mean this is a guy who obviously has a history of ankle injuries it wasn't that long ago in the grand scheme of things like six seven years ago when a lot of people thought this guy's career was going to be cut short by ankle injuries he you know missed well over 50 games uh, one season um, you know, obviously that is a big reason why the Warriors are what they are right now, because the timing of his, his of needing to get re-upped on his contract came about right when there were those big concerns and they signed him to what ended up being probably the biggest bargain in NBA history. Um, and, um, that was a big reason why they were so cautious with him last month, because this is the same ankle. I mean, the, the big, the bulky ankle that they were worried about, those years ago was his right ankle. The one he injured in New Orleans was his right ankle. The one he injured today was his right ankle. The only thing that I think is maybe concerning here is, okay, is he going to kind of get into a routine or a habit like he did half a decade ago where he's going to repeatedly tweak that ankle? Because that's a real thing. You know, anyone that's had ankle problems knows that, you know, you can kind of go through periods where it's easier and easier to sprain an ankle 
Right. Once you do it once, it just becomes a little looser, a little easier to tweak. Um, and there wasn't, you know, it, it, I think what was impressive about Steph is that there, he did manage to go a period of time without either ankle bothering him. And it was like, okay, he's beyond that now. And it's just, can you imagine though living it's, we were joking about this. If Steph Curry sneezed, you know, like, yeah. Oh my gosh, we're, we're going to write it, write a story about it. No, we really won't. But to imagine to be under such a microscope, like everybody's going to be watching him and how he looks in warmups. And, you know, every time he, st- you know, like literally people went back to, count free throws that he made with his mouth guard in yeah. or out it's just yeah. like just to be living under that microscope it's yeah yeah and uh i think the frustration maybe for some people or fans of the team is that he was playing so well and yeah. you don't want to don't want this to interrupt what he's been doing um he's played the best regular season basketball i've personally ever seen him play i obviously didn't cover two years ago when he won unanimous mvp but he's been at that level I mean, he's been absolutely dominant. He's averaging, over the past four games, he's averaging 35.2 points, well over 50% shooting from the field, well over 50% shooting from three-point range. And he's, you know, digging into his bag of tricks. He looks like that fun-loving, joyful guy that people are used to seeing. He's, you know, I think, especially the past three games with Durant out, you know, the offense has really flowed through him, and he's been free to, to do his thing. And... Um, you know, he had an quote unquote off night in terms of, uh, by his standard, at least according to Steve Kerr, he did have six turnovers, but he also had 32 points relatively efficiently. But, you know, Kerr said after the game, he's, he's upset with himself because that wasn't a good game for him. You know, that's the standard this guy has set for himself where, you know, he can score 32 points and not have a good game. Um, so that's where he's been, but this is kind of overshadowed the fact that Durant's coming back. It's like one <laughs> in, one right. out. Hey, one MVP. Hey, it's all right. One other one's coming back. It's, yeah, it's insane, yeah. isn't it? No, it's completely yeah. insane. And, and you know, the reality is Durant probably could have come back a couple of games ago. He's he, This was not a serious calf strain at, at all. Uh, when I was in Texas with him, which we'll talk about a little bit later, I saw him hit 12 straight threes, uh, you know, in his normal street clothes. I saw him hit a a shot from half court. Um, and now granted basketball revol- involves more than, you know, standing and shooting, but he looked fine. And, and uh, you know, the Warriors are just being com- extra cautious with these guys. And, you know, the reality too is, you know, why not, you know, use it not necessarily as an excuse, but they're already on the injury report. You know, you don't need to say they're quote unquote resting. You can just continue to go with that injury and just say you're being really cautious. Do you you think Clay Clay was scheduled for a rest game tonight? Is he? Do you think that'll still be the case? He's still resting. Yeah, they announced that he'll be resting and and Durant will be back and obviously Curry Curry will be out and and Clay. That'll actually be the first game he misses all season. He's been the only guy who has played every game this season, all forty one. He's been very consistent and Clay is he might have the best conditioning of any player in the league. Like he literally does not get tired. I don't know if you are into advanced analytics at all, but the NBA.com stats has this thing where they track how much a guy runs over the course of a game or a season or what have you. He consistently is at or near the top every season in terms of how much he runs on the court. And he never ever seems to get tired. And it's just because he's so good at moving away from the ball and getting open. 
if you had asked me <laughs> which which where the warriors would rank on that list, I don't think I would have put Clay near the top of that. Really? No. Why not? No, it's just it's just, he's like the he's, king of off-ball movement. Yes, though. but he's in terms of athleticism. I don't, you know, maybe I correlate that with athleticism, and it. That's the thing about Clay, though, is he's deceivingly athletic. I think, I think a lot of people don't give Clay enough credit in general, just because it's easy to kind of overlook a guy who's so monotone and so kind of laissez-faire about things. Um, but the reality is, he's a world-class athlete. He right. actually is really strong too. Um, he he was. He 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 was given a major gift in terms of his genes. Obviously, his dad, former number one pick, played for the Showtime Lakers. His mom was uh, our Scott Oster did a really nice story a week or two ago about Steph and Clay's moms, and Clay's mom was uh, a really good volleyball player in college. Both so of them, both, both of their of moms, yeah, yeah, that's and great. Clay's or Steph's mom was also a basketball player. So, um, yeah, now he he's he, he's an elite athlete. Um, but uh, I actually got the chance, I got a pretty cool opportunity last Friday uh, to go to the University of Texas with with Kevin Durant um, to shout him around. He was being honored at the university because he had donated $3 million, which is one of the biggest donations ever by a professional athlete to his alma mater, the biggest at the University of Texas by a professional athlete. And they named the basketball facility after him, the Kevin Durant Texas Basketball Center, which is a pretty uh, special honor to get when you're 29 years old and you're still, you know, you're still in the prime of your career and you only spent not only one, not only one year there, but he actually spent seven months. Because let's keep in mind that he, right after the basketball season ended, he left to go train for the draft. So, um, we had a really cool conversation about about his time there, and this is what he had to say. So I just want to talk to you. I'm just, I wanted to kind of look at what Texas means to you on a personal level, because I know you're still very involved there. You're still, you know, I saw you gave gear to the basketball and football teams recently and all that. You were only there for a year. So why? what was it about that year that resonated with you so much? Well, it wasn't just a year. I mean, I just played basketball there for a year, but I, I was there all summer for like three or four summers after that, so it felt like I was still in college. And so I just, you know, got close with a lot of friends down here. Got, you know, a lot of great memories. And just built to spend so much time in one place and start to get used to it and then became home. And I wanted to just try to get back to the basketball program, and that turned in. So we wanted to get back to the whole school and uh, athletic program, and you know it just kind of happened organic. So when you'd go back, would you just practice with the with the current team and that kind of thing? Yeah, I usually play pickup with them. I usually do my basketball camp there um, on campus. Uh, so it's it's good to kind of still be uh, kind of entrenched in that community. And, you know, it's been 10 years now since I played there. I still feel like I'm a huge part of that community. I actually went to University of Maryland, so I'm pretty familiar with PG uh, County. Yeah, yeah. And it's pretty different than Austin, yeah, Texas. Yeah, for sure. Um, what, what was that like, you know, when you first moved to Texas? Just the, the culture shock. Well, it was just it's a total 180 from what I was used to. You know, it was just <clears throat> so much space, so many people. You know, I wasn't used to that. So much flat land, so much green there. You know, I'm coming from a city environment, so it was totally different. But the people were nice, and uh, 
weather was good, so I had a great time, man. And, and it made me miss home a lot, but it also, uh, I, I had to just adjust real quick because it's so far from home. Right. So after a while, I just, I just stopped thinking about PG County and Maryland, and I just became part of the Austin community, and I just felt like it was home. Is that part of why you went there, just for something different? Yeah, I just needed to change the pace. You know, I wanted to see something um, that I've never seen before. I mean, I was always up and down the East Coast, so I wanted to see what other parts of the country had to offer, and I found a school that was perfect for me on the basketball court, and as far as just wanting to explore what the rest of the country was like. Like a lot of guys growing up at that time, I know you thought about going to North Carolina. That was the goal. What, yeah. what ultimately, you know, made you go to Texas over North Carolina? Well, it was just a perfect fit for me. Uh, I was just more so lost in the allure and the, that baby blue. Yeah, you the just Jordan. Get, yeah, you just you just get lost in that. You know what I'm saying? And, that, and you make a lot of, and I didn't want to make a decision based off of that. So I needed some help. So my mom and my dad tried to open my eyes a bit and let me know what a better opportunity was, was, was down there in Texas for me. So once I realized that. Uh, you know, I was I, I committed probably like summer before my senior year, so that whole year I was just excited to finally get down there. I'd never been to Texas before. Uh, did, I, did you go on a visit? I visited. I visited. Yeah, I visited right after my senior season. Okay. But I was in contact with the coaches you know, all the time. I, was, right, right. I went to a couple games. I went to a game when they played Duke up in New Jersey. So. I feel like I, I knew the program without even having to be down there that much. Right. And, um, and once I got down there, it was just like perfect. Uh, it fits my style of pace and everything. So. And you're kind of a, you seem like a low-key guy, obviously, kind of a low-key type of environment in a lot of ways. Do you think just your personality matched with the ethos that, that is Austin in, in some ways? Yeah, it did. Pretty, I'm like a weird guy at heart, I feel like, you know, I like kind of... Keep Austin weird, right? Yeah, so I, 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 I realized that that phrase just kind of, kind of mesh with what I did already, you know, I was always just in my own world all the time, and I feel like yeah. everybody in Austin is the same way, you know yeah. what I'm saying, so, uh, fit me, man, I feel like, you know, you can just be who you are, no judgment down there, is that why? Is that a big reason why you kept going back? Yeah, just like yeah. you felt comfortable there. Yeah, I mean, when you feel comfortable and people, when you start to know people and you become a nice, you know, a solid figure. I was a nice figure in Austin for that year. People really was excited to see our basketball team. You know, so yeah, yeah. I felt like I was a huge part of that. So to to feel that love and excitement for what I do, and also being a city that I love to be in. When you were talking about the opportunity, was it knowing that you could come in and, and be a focal point right away? Was that kind of what you were talking about? Or what? Yeah, just yeah, coming in and knowing that you know, we were young. I had to play. I had to play a lot of yeah. minutes because we were young. And I didn't want to wait my time behind sophomores, seniors, juniors, and seniors. So I just wanted a chance to go out there and play. Uh, and play for a coach who's going to actually coach me and discipline yeah. me and uh, teach me a game. That's what Rick Barnes did, you know. And we, we have that much talent. So we had to focus on every player, you know. These, these big schools, you might get lost with so much talent. You don't really get coached. So in Austin, I got coached the second I got on campus, you know, about the game. It just 
it just kept growing my mind, and I just wanted, wanted more. And I, I kind of, kind of got kickstarted when I went down to Texas. So that's why it's such a huge part of my life right here. I really, really learned how to play real basketball. That's how that I saw their assistant coach who found you, who first recruited you, named his kid Durant. Yeah. <laughs> what did that mean to yeah, you? Yeah, that meant a lot. Man, Coach Freeman, we spent a lot of time together on the phone, talking, just him trying to get me to come to Texas. And then once I committed, just that whole year, just making me feel comfortable with everything. It was just like, they the only one that really put the day in, day out time with me and my moms and my brothers, just trying to get to know us. From Maryland too, so I felt like yeah, somebody so could. Understand, yeah, I felt like somebody could understand me. That was from my area, you know, down in Texas. So it was like, you know, what I'm saying he was, he was rattling off some of the people that I grew up with. You know, he he did a good job recruiting me. He made yeah. me feel comfortable. So. Yeah. Did he help with the transition too? Yeah. Like when you were homesick. Yeah, him and his wife. You know, they were just they were just like my mom and dad away from home. You know, yeah. they were always checking on me, making sure I was okay. Coach was picking me up from flat from uh, from the, the dorms and dropped me off at you know at the gym you know when I had a ride you know stuff like that you know, he was just he was he was trying to help me become a young man at that point he was know? I appreciate that. Texas is one of the first schools to really offer you right like how how old were you when they uh, I was got a, on your I ride? was 14, 15. I was 15. I was a sophomore in high school. So you were just starting to emerge. My, my first game when I really started to showcase my skills, he was at that game. And that was like the first time anybody seen me play. That was Delaware, right? Delaware, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. After that, I mean, I, college just started flooding in after that. But I remember him being one of the first guys after I came home from that tournament to call me, call my coach. We hopped on the phone. And I'm like, the only college that I got was from like Charleston Southern. Uh, I was getting no major D1 schools sending me letters in 10th grade. And finally here in Texas to talk to me, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. Like to recognize what I do. That was another reason why I feel like so, you know, I feel such a tight connection, you know what I'm saying? Because they right. felt like they seen what I could do at an early age, you know? Yeah. They was the first to really know what I could do and see my potential. Right. And, I, and I, that's. That's kind of knowing what you know how to you know, evaluate basketball. When you would first go back there those first few summers, where would you stay? Would you stay in, like, with, with the friends? Or? I stayed in the dorm summer before my rookie year. The summer after my rookie year, I stayed in the hotel. Summer after that, me and my former teammates, we got an apartment together. Mm-hmm. Um, like, uh, outskirts of uh, Austin, right outside in the suburbs. We got a nice apartment out there. Someone I just been going to hotels. Right. You've uh, you've lived in a bunch of places in your life. It seems like it seems like you you really you get something out of everywhere you go, right? Like that's that's part of why you are here, right? Yeah, I, mean, I mean, if I'm gonna spend time there, I'm gonna really spend time there. You know, I'm gonna settle in. Right. Saying that's how I feel in every city. Me and my friends, my family, like my people gonna come out here and we gonna enjoy where we at. You know, that's how we settle in. So when I would go to Austin. My mom would come down there, and my brothers would come down there and hang out with me, you know what I'm saying? So everybody in my life had to get comfortable with where I was at that point. Yeah. You know, they felt like they wanted to, they have really, really didn't get to see much. So when I would travel somewhere, Austin, Oklahoma City, here, everybody felt like, you know, in order for them to see stuff, they got to, you know, 
Yeah, come on here with me. So that's how I felt in Austin. That's why it's become, it became home so quick. How nice would it be to go back to Austin, like, mid-season? I know it would be a really quick trip, yeah. you know, but just to get a few hours back in Austin between games. It feel good, man. Place kind of where this whole thing really started for me as far as just recognition and just the, just the eyes that were on my game, you know, started yeah. at Texas, you know, so I never forget the, the beginning of this. And, uh, it kind of, it's home, like I said, and see everybody that I yeah. kind of grew up with within this basketball thing, you know, see my former teammates and also some of the Texas legends that played. It means a lot, you know, to be up here in the Raptors and to just have such a huge impact. At the college itself, it was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. The fact that they retired her numbers so quickly, did that mean a lot to you too? Yeah, just like, yeah. They didn't even wait around. They yeah, that's my around. second year in the league. That was crazy. <laughs> yeah, like that's pretty unheard of. Yeah, that was that was that was that was one of the best days of my life, man. Because I'm 21. I was 21. You, you could have still been there, right? I was probably 20 at the time. You could have been a junior. I was a junior. Yeah. <laughs> I was a junior at the time, and I was like, man. You know, my teammates are still playing. Like, my yeah. former dudes I came in with were still playing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, man, I must have really, really did my thing down here. <laughs> so it, yeah. it made me feel, like, proud to yeah. be from Texas and to call myself a Texan, basically, because, you know, I spent so much time from Austin to Houston to Dallas to, like, you know, everywhere in between, you know. So I know so many – I know the culture in Texas and Houston and Dallas. I just feel like I'm a part of that whole state, you know what I'm saying? So – Get my jersey retired. I was like, man, this is this is this happening all so fast, and yeah. I didn't realize it would be happening like this. Could you ever see yourself going back there, like maybe taking some more classes, or, or no, I, don't, I don't know, like any I'll capacity? Be, yeah, I would go there to be like a, when I'm done to kind of help the program out as far as basketball is concerned, as far as just helping kids get better on the court. You know, I would definitely do that. Uh, just be a part of it. Just get back to the younger players and just to be a part of the school I went to. That'll be fun. Cool, man. I appreciate it. I look forward to seeing you there. All right, man. All right, man. Thanks. So what I loved about that is that how uh, Kevin admits that it was a huge culture shock going down to, to Texas. Um, and, uh, you know, I spent a summer in Dallas and a year in Houston. And we all know that, you know, everything is bigger in Texas. That's like the state motto. And um, it, you know, you guys actually kind of Spent, you had uh, Prince George, PG, PG County. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. Um, he's from, from Maryland and talking about the adjustments that he had to make. Um, what I found interesting was, you know, Texas was a program that was on the rise when uh, Durant uh, went there. Um, they had been to the Elite late. Elite Eight under TJ mm -hmm. Ford, mm -hmm. and um, there was so much. There was expectation that he could take it to the next level. And Durant is a guy that could have gone straight from high school to the pros, but the NBA uh, instituted their uh, age limit. He had to be 19 years old. Mm -hmm. You had to play. You had to be one year removed from your high school year, yeah. and so he had to go and choose a college. And it was just it was cool to see him go to Texas and kind of start this whole phenomenon of one and done athletes i think a big question that a lot of people had even to this day was why did he go to texas because it felt so random at the time i mean this is a guy from pg county like you like you referenced i, I went to the university of maryland which is you know 20 minutes from where he's from and uh i can tell you it's quite different than uh than austin texas and he had never even been to texas before he started before he went on his official visit there um but the thing was they Anyone that knows Kevin knows that he is 
um, loyal, which <laughs> kind of goes against maybe that's that snake <laughs> rep that he has might have right now, but he is actually a very loyal person. And he, uh, you know, Texas was the first school to seriously recruit him first big school to recruit him. They offered him when he was 15 years old uh, as a sophomore in high school, really before he got on the national scene. Um, he told me that his only offer up until that point was from Texas Southern, which is a historically black school in the SWAC, which is, you know, a mid-major conference. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just, he, he, that was part of it, but also he just wanted something new. And I think as he talked about in the, in the, in the conversation, he, he really feels like his, uh, his personality jibes well with what Austin's about. And the cool thing for me, uh, being able to shadow him that day and kind of just follow him around and observe him and, and see him in, in that environment was he was so at ease. Like he was so happy to be there. He, and it wasn't just the fact that he was being honored. It was, he, he, he really, you could tell he was in his comfort zone. You know, he's, he's someone who, who, uh, you know, doesn't necessarily love being the superstar guy. He wants to, he's always wanted to be, a teammate first. He's always wanted to be just another one of the guys. And I think he feels, even though he was having the building named after him there, I think he feels kind of those vibes again when he goes back there, which is why he continues to go back there. Um, he didn't say this in that interview, but we talked at Texas and he was talking about, you know, when he went, he went back there, you know, four straight summers after he went, went into the draft and imagine a guy who is, Third summer, his third summer into the NBA. So mm-hmm. he's just starting to become a superstar. He's just about to, uh, you know, be scoring champion of the NBA. He's an all-star already at this point. And he's pulling up to his friend from college's uh, off-campus apartment in a custom Toyota Sienna minivan. And he's bunking in a two-bedroom apartment with his buddy all summer and getting Whataburger and chilling in going around Austin, Texas in his minivan. Like this guy is making millions of dollars. He's an NBA all-star and he's chilling in a minivan in Austin, Texas. Like that right there is all you need to know about Kevin Durant. Like that is who Kevin Durant is. There's no way that you can not like a story like that with a guy that stays close to the roots and goes back and still visits every year. Yeah. And I mean, it was, he, he got almost a little bit emotional when we were talking at, at Texas and he was, I asked him, you know, what what was so difficult about leaving Texas? Because the thing is, he was obviously at worst going to be the number two pick in the draft. It was going to be Greg, Greg Oden and then right. him. And he didn't really have a choice. When you're in that situation, you know you're going to be a top two pick. You kind of got to go. I mean, that's just the way. That's just the way it is. He'd already been the national player of the year as a rookie or as a as a freshman. He it was time for him to go, but he he broke down and cried uh, in. Rick Barnes hotel room when he told Rick his head coach at Texas that he was going to leave. And I asked him why. And he, he, I thought his answer was really telling. He basically just said, I was going to miss being around with the guys. I was going to miss, you know, getting meals on the the lunch card. I was going to miss going to the cafeteria. I was going to miss taking the bus to class. I was going to miss having that simple life. And you, I think he had an awareness even then that by entering the draft, he was, it was never going to be the same. And I think he was kind of sad about that because he knew that he was going to kind of be losing some of that innocence and and some of that youth that he wanted to hold on to still. 
But I think that's a lot of people, uh, or that's, a, that's a thing that a lot of people overlook is that the college game and atmosphere is so different. You are with your teammates all the time at, in the dorms, at practice, at you know food halls and that sort. And when you go to the NBA, there is so much downtime. Like these guys are alone and by themselves a lot. They yeah. go to practice, okay, maybe a couple hours, and then they go home. And home, your teammates aren't there. You guys have the, the teammates scatter. Some have wives and children and whatnot. And then you regather for the game. But there's just hours and hours of time where you're on your own. And I think that's a, why a lot of times you'll see guys who maybe didn't get into, into trouble in high school, didn't get into trouble in college, and then maybe they start getting into some trouble when you know they're a rookie or in their second year in the league because. I know you went to Cal and I went to University of Maryland, schools that have relatively big athletic departments. And those guys, those athletes, those basketball players are so insulated. I mean, they have study hall. They have a really strict schedule. Everything's kind of catered for them. They don't really have to think for themselves. They they get to kind of, you know, live a very insulated life, which which is simple, and a lot of those guys really like that. But when, like you said, when you get to the pro level, no one's telling you what to do with every second of your time. You're supposed to be a professional. You're supposed to you know, figure out how to uh, take care of yourself and what to do between shoot-around ending at 11 a.m. and the game starting at 7.30. Right, yeah. It's just an adjustment. And I think that the NBA has taken steps, too, to, in their rookie orientations to help out with that. But it's just definitely, um, it, you know, like a, 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 to quote Durant, a culture shock <laughs> difference going from the college game to the pro game. Going back to Durant, though, his US, his Texas team got upset in the NCAA tournament. Who Against? Um, I, I should know this. They beat... Uh, USC they... beat them. Oh, right, right. I was going to say, I know they beat New Mexico State in the first round. No, I was just, that was, Swaggy P was on that. Oh, That's yeah, you're right. <laughs> so. I should talk to Swaggy P about you that. Go. You're right. Uh, yeah, that that was the USC team. And the, 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 the thing that I think also intrigued him about Texas is that, you're right, they were coming off some really good seasons with TJ Ford and those guys, a bunch of guys that just left for the draft, PJ Tucker and what have you, Royal Ivy. Uh, but they they were completely reloading when when Kevin came in, and they basically said, "Look, you you can shoot as much as you want. You're gonna be the guy." Uh, they had three rotation players back, um, and they had a huge freshman recruiting class that ended up being really strong. In that recruiting class was DJ Augustine, who's still in the right. NBA, and and a couple other guys who had cups of coffees in the NBA. So. Um, you know, I think it it was a good balance of I'm going to a place that has proven they can win at a high level, but I can still kind of be the guy. Right, right. And he's talked a lot about looking looking up to TJ Ford and those guys who kind of set the table for him. TJ was actually at the event. Oh, that's and, great. And, uh, a, you know, a bunch of his old teammates, like the walk-ons and stuff, were there supporting him. And the guy who he lived with in the two-bedroom apartment, who's kind of a, a glue guy on that team, uh, you know, introduced him. So it was cool. And, and I basically, right after that ceremony ended, um, it was just us. And um, I sat down and t- talked to him. And I just was like, yeah, how, how cool was that? And he just like opened up for 10 straight minutes. He was like giddy. You know, it was, it was cool to see someone who is so famous that excited yeah. about something. 
That's awesome. I'm I'm so glad you had the the chance to do that. And we've been talking a lot about you know Kevin Durant having um, potentially challenging for Defensive Player of the Year. You just came out with your Warriors midseason awards, and MVP Clay Thompson. I hear yeah. you're catching a little flack for this. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the the people on Twitter and the blogosphere uh, don't really understand why I did that or why I, I got some people tweeting at me, Oh, you're just trying to get hits, blah, blah, blah. My question, my thing is, did you read the story? Because I had a whole (laughs) detailed explanation for why I picked him. Um, it's not like I was only trying to get hits. Um, even though that doesn't hurt, but, um, basically Clay's actually having his best season today. I don't think people realize that because people, judge players off how many points they're averaging and he is averaging less than he a little bit less than he averaged last season but he is uh has he's shooting career best percentages from the field three-point range and the foul line um he's still in within striking distance of that uh 50 50 40 90 club which is you know what he had talked about preseason he's shooting 58.3 percent from the field 45.3 percent from three-point range and 88 point uh five percent from the foul line so can he, if he can just improve a little bit from the field and from the foul line he'll be in rarefied territory with se- there's only seven players that have ever done that uh two of which are steph curry and kevin durant and um you know he's the only player in the league with a top 10 three-point percentage who's averaging at least 20 points per game um he if you look at his plus minus he's had a plus minus of at least plus one in 30 of their 41 games in those 30 games they're 29 and one so obviously he's kind of an x factor um and i probably the biggest reason why i went with him is i was judging this specifically off of the 41 game sample size that we've seen the first 41 games of the season and the reality is i couldn't pick Steph because Steph had missed Missed 13 games and you know that's too big of a, a chunk i think and Durant had missed, I think, eight games, something like that, and that's that's uh, that's probably in the gray area if that's too much. But um, I also I feel like right now, if I'm giving an overall MVP, it's got to be Clay for the n- reasons I just mentioned, and and Durant is by no no doubt is 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 Durant the defensive MVP, and I mean he's probably going to be defensive player of the year which is saying a lot for a guy who's never been all defensive team <laughs> um, but uh, I think right now he's definitely the front runner for that so that was a no-brainer um, and then some of the other things that I got into were biggest disappointment best newcomer biggest surprise biggest disappointment was tough because there isn't really one um, I was debating between Patrick McCaw and JaVale McGee um, and I ended up going with Patrick McCaw, and I, it's not even that he's played badly. It's just you, you look at the expectations that he had coming off that really nice rookie season, and he hasn't really built off it, and that's for reasons outside of his control. I mean, he just hasn't gotten more playing time right? because of how well Omri's played and you know how, how uh, Nick Young has done. So um, I, don't, I, I almost felt bad putting that because I don't think he's been really you know, bad enough to warrant that title, but it's just for reasons outside of his own control. And then best newcomer, Jordan Bell. I mean, you know, I, you could, you could, you could flip flop between him and Omri, but I think just the excitement level that Jordan Bell has, has brought this season, obviously first, 
you know, second round pick. He's 41 games into his career and he's, we are, we already know he's going to be in the league for a really long time. He's, he's proven that the, the sky is kind of the limit for him. So had to go with him. And then the biggest surprise I think is Omri because this is a guy who was a veteran minimum deal. You know, he was almost out of the league coming into this season. You know, he bounced between three teams. The interest in him was really tepid at best um, in free agency, signed a minimum deal, and people thought he'd be, okay, like 13th guy, 12th guy, not really do much, you know, just just some more wing depth. But he's been a factor. You know, he's been really solid. And when when Green missed uh, some time last month, he really stepped up and had some big games. And, you know, obviously I've written a decent amount about his ability to cut to the rim and that just makes him such an ideal fit in this movement heavy system. And so he, there's no doubt in my mind that the Warriors are going to want him to come back next season. And he's proven that he's one of the bigger bargains in the, uh, in the league. And, you know, uh, full disclosure here, I will totally admit this on air. Janie and I had a discussion over text yesterday about what the team grade should be. And I'll be honest, I originally put B plus and uh, Janie, you know, fairly was, you know, that seems a little harsh. You know, they, this, they've done pretty darn well and they've overcome all these injuries. So I ended up going with an A minus. And I think that Janie deserves some credit for that. But Janie, why did you think that? They deserved a better grade. No, I think my comment was, are you, you know, like, are you grading on a curve? Like, are you grading the Warriors against themselves? Because anybody else would say they're doing pretty good. I don't think that's a, if the Warriors are a B plus team, then who's your A team? (laughs) Right, right. I mean, the only reason I had them as a a B plus was because the the bar is so high for them. I mean, this is how absurd it is. They're on track to have their worst season in the Steve Carrera. They're on track. They're also on track to win 66 games. But Steve Kerr's teams have not won less than 67 Which is in a season. Think about it, right? So that's the world we live in right now. That is the Warriors' reality. So that's why I, I put, um, I put uh, B plus. But I think they're a solid AA minus just because um, they have overcome so much adversity already this season, and I think they're they're right on track to do exactly what they want to do. The reality is these games don't matter that much and what matters more than anything is are they well positioned for the games that do matter for april may june and uh i think they're in a great spot for that what do, what do you think that they're no absolutely in a good spot? I, I thought it was interesting you're talking about 66 wins 67 wins who cares what that number ends yeah. up at right it's uh especially for having you know, we look at Zaza missing a chunk. Kev, uh, Curry obviously missed um, 11 games with the right ankle. Durant's been in and out. Um, Draymond missed five games. It's for juggling, for really not having a consistent lineup all season. They're fine. They're they're doing just fine. Now, if they're still going through these little injury blips in April, early April, then maybe, you know, we, we would have something to worry about. And I, I got to say, I'm, I'm really stoked that we haven't had to talk about complacency in the past couple of pods because I was getting really sick of talking about that. <laughs> and it hasn't been as much of an issue lately. So that's a credit to them. And I actually think in a weird way that these injuries have helped them with that. Um, but, you know, I'm actually getting ready to go on pr- the last really long road trip of the year, um, five city, nine day gauntlet um, at milwaukee at toronto at cleveland at chicago at houston um and w- let's keep in mind it is 
uh, mid-January right now. So wish me luck, everyone, in Milwaukee and Toronto and Cleveland and Chicago. That is uh, not going to be fun. Not going to be fun at all. But, uh, you know, the reality is covering this team is always fun. So I'm looking forward to it. And we will be locked and loaded uh, this this around this time next week. I will be talking to Janie from the road. All right. Just bring like a space heater. And uh, <laughs> we'll warm you up that way. <laughs> This show is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Our theme music is Thank You for Playing by Ryan Little, courtesy of the Free Music Archive. This show is produced by me, Janie, and Fernando Diaz. For more Warriors coverage, you can follow me on Twitter at con underscore cron, C-O-N underscore C-H-R-O-N, and Janie Hugh at Janie underscore Hugh, J-A-N-N-Y underscore H-U. Check out all of our coverage at sfchronicle.com.